Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We've got a big game against Texas Tech coming up in a couple days. The Ducks are headed down to Lubbock, where they will face 100-degree temperatures and a loud and intimidating environment. To help me preview that game, I'm bringing on Patrick Kahn, the senior editor of USA Today's College Sportswire. Uh, he grew up in Lubbock and has been a lifelong Red Raiders fan. So after that interview, I want to dive into a few odds and ends from the week, get you ready for the weekend. Um, that's what we got planned for today. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. here senior editor of uh, college sports wire for uh, usa today sports network um texas tech long time lifetime fan grew up in lubbock patrick how you doing i'm good uh i'd be doing a lot better if we had taken care of business uh against wyoming but overall not bad so let's let's start there that's actually a really good place to start i was going to ask you about it obviously um, we're, we're having you on cause Oregon is going down to Lubbock this weekend and taking on Texas tech, uh, would have been a lot more fun if it was a one and O versus one and O matchup. Unfortunately that the red Raiders were unable to hold up their end of the bargain there. What, what happened? Do you think, I mean, they were big favorites going in and double overtime and they blew that what 17 point lead. What happened mm-hmm. in your estimation? Uh, yeah, it kind of felt like the offense got complacent. I mean, if you look at the defense and what they were able to do, uh, anytime that you can hold a team to 20 or less points in regulation, you have to feel really good no matter who you're playing. Um, so you look at defensively, you thought they did pretty good. They, they were able to create some turnovers, hand it back to the offense. It just felt like the offense got complacent. They really couldn't do anything. Um, I'm going to go on record, and you'll probably agree with me here. I am not a Tyler Shuck fan. Like, <laughs> get out of okay. here. Like, Baron Morton should be playing starting quarterback there at Tech. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Tyler. Like, I, there's a lot that Tyler does well, I think. But ultimately, like, I mean, if you could even go back to look at him in the bowl game last year, the Texas Bowl against Ole Miss, he was fantastic. But it's the inconsistencies, the inability to stay healthy. You know, I, I think he's a good quarterback. It's just if, if you know, my job's on the line, I think Baron Morton's a better quarterback, uh, to be completely fair. I think that a lot of Oregon fans will agree with you when you hear that. Obviously, we had the uh, the start of the Tyler Shuck experiment here in Eugene. He did okay in Eugene. Obviously, that was the COVID season. You've got a lot of excuses for why things might not have been perfect. But, hey, he did win a, a Pac-12 championship, um, although they maybe shouldn't have been in the Pac-12 title game. But, you know, that's a, a different story. But, um, you know, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. He's The inconsistency there is really really what plagues him because when he's good he's he's pretty good but that's it's not always so good so um what's what do you think the vibe is kind of like in Lubbock right now with the team with the fans I mean obviously there's always been this hype about this Oregon game and it's always been a big game all off season. we've known for a few years it was coming and then it feels kind of like the air was taken out of the balloon a little bit 
do you think that there's still just as much excitement? Do you feel like I saw there was some videos of players this last week for them kind of encouraging fans to come back out, come to the game. They're sorry they lost. They still want to get all the fan base in. What's the vibe right now in Lubbock, you think? Well, I, I think it's it's kind of twofold. I mean, I think the team's excited. Um, they get the opportunity, you know, especially when you lose a game the way that you lost. You want to get back out there immediately. I mean, that's that's a player's mentality. Uh, you know, they want to have that short short you know memory loss of what happened. You know, not so much forget it, but learn from it, and move on. Uh, the you know the fans and even the media, I think a little bit are, are a little being a little harder on the team because I've noticed a lot with with the player interviews and coaching. They're asking the same questions. You know, they're still talking about Wyoming, and it's like okay. You know, it's you know, it's it's Wednesday, it's Thursday. Let's let's move on. Let's start. You know, we've we've already started game planning for this game, so let's focus on that. Uh, I think you have that. I think they have an opportunity. You know, in, in any season and going in, there's always this expectation versus reality. And I think to really like, I know I know there have been a lot of fans that have been hard on Tech, and and, and I get that. Um, you know, you don't want to see your team lose week one, especially to a team you're expected to win. Um, now, that being said, it was week one, you know, so get some of those things out early. Uh, you know, I, I've seen it time and time again where uh, a few years ago they looked bad against a team like Houston Baptist had barely played football, and then they go out and win their next game pretty handily. So it's, sometimes it's just getting through those motions, getting through those hiccups. And I think they have the guys to do it. I mean, whether you look offensively with, with Taj Brooks and what he can do as a runner, um, as a pass catcher, uh, J. Ram Bradley is a guy you've got to pay attention to. He's a big target. You know, he, he can do some things. Miles Price is kind of that gadget, do-it-all kind of guy. So I, you know, I think they have the pieces in place, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it, it boils down to execution, and I felt like kind of – after that first quarter being up 17 to nothing, I, I think they got a little complacent. And like, oh, we can do this. We, you know, we can just throw up some points. And then when the points stopped coming and, and the defense was, couldn't hold them because the offense wasn't consistent, I mean, those are things that I don't care who you are. If you're constantly putting your defense in a bad position, no matter how good they are, eventually they're going to get worn down. And, and we saw what happened uh, late in that game. So with all that being said, what's your confidence level that Texas Tech is going to bounce back? And I mean, I'm not saying are they going to win the game, but what's your confidence level that they're going to make this close and actually have a competitive game? Oh, I think it's going to be competitive. I would, I'd say 85 percent. I think, you know, we really look at it. I mean, sometimes for whatever reason, it feels like, you know, especially a team that you cover, they play up or down to their competition, you know, and, and sometimes that's. Uh, a lack of mental toughness, a lack of leadership, whatever you want to say. I mean, it just seems like too often in, in this sport, not necessarily saying Texas Tech or Oregon fall under that, but, you know, too oftentimes we do see that. Uh, but I do think they bounce back. Now, I have gone on record and saying I think Oregon wins this football game and I think they cover the spread. Um, but it might be like a late pull away for Oregon. I, but I do feel like through three quarters, I feel like this is going to be a relatively close game. Um, and, and boil it down to, you know, who gets that final possession or what have you. And and we all know, um, especially if we, you go back to last season, it seemed like Bo Nix had had the opportunity opportunities in those in those big moments to shine. And and uh, based on you know how he's played and, and what he looked like last year, I, I feel like he might have that opportunity again. So you mentioned Bo Nix. Obviously, he's obviously he's someone that any opposing team needs to pay attention to, but 
from your your Texas Tech perspective, who are some guys? I mean, you you know this Oregon team. You cover all of college football. You know some of the guys. Who are some people that you're really focused on? If we can stop them, if we can slow them down, Texas Tech might really have a chance here. Who are those guys? I mean, I start with Buck Irving. I just think he's he's a tremendous talent. I mean, we saw obviously okay they played against a glorified high school team in Portland State, um, as you eloquently put it on on Ducks Wire. Um, you know, he was, a, he was a big play guy. I mean, what, four carries and 120 yards in that game? I mean, he's getting, you know, 30 yards a pop. He gets two touchdowns. You know, I think, the you know, Jordan James is another guy you kind of got to pay attention to. I think that's a dynamic duo. Um, you know, and I'm not going to say you have to completely neutralize the running game because I feel like Oregon is so talented, you know, up and down where you look at Troy Franklin, you know, Gary Bryant Jr., you know, Tez Johnson can give you something. You know, I, I think when you look at some of those guys that you have, like you're not going to completely neutralize them. But, you know, if you can kind of force Oregon to be more one-dimensional, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, running the football, if you can neutralize that and, you know, and put them in situations where you know Bo Nix is going to have to drop back and, and throw the football, uh, like I know he's successful on it, but those are the type of situations you want to do third and longs, you know, things of that nature. So I think it's going to be really important to kind of try to neutralize, you know, put them in some more, you know, second long, third and long situations. Um, and, and then you have the opportunity because Joey McGuire's big thing at Texas Tech is called take three. It's something that they, that they preached at Baylor is take three away. Uh, and they've been really good, you know, in, in his year plus of doing that, whether it's, you know, via fumbles, interceptions, things of that nature. And, and so I really think that you put yourself in those situations, you have more opportunities to create those turnovers. And I think that's the way Texas Tech is going to have to play it. I think so. I think that's that's good analysis. What I'm most curious to see is, I mean, Oregon's Oregon's downfall last year was their, their defense and mostly their secondary. I mean, they couldn't stop anyone in the passing game. And while we feel confident that it's – better this year we we don't know yet obviously we, we played portland state last week so they dan lanning has said several times this week hey we didn't get tested last week at all we don't we don't really i mean he's not saying we don't know what we have because he feels confident what they have but i'm really excited to see what they can do against tyler shuck and against bradley like you said and against that i'm forgetting his name but that six foot nine tight end that texas tech has and um, nice and Tharp. Tharp, yeah. that's what it is yeah um, if they can actually nullify the passing game, because Chuck can throw the ball around. I mean, he puts up stats. He, he's definitely, they've got a, sort of an air raid offense down there. So um, if you don't have a good secondary ready to kind of slow that down, it can definitely hurt you. So um, that and the establishment of a pass rush, I think will be two huge keys for Oregon. Um, I want to talk to you about Joy McGuire a little bit. Uh, I was listening and watching his press conference on Monday and it just kind of stood out to me how different he is from Dan Lanning and kind of the, the two mentalities you get with head coaches in college football. Yeah. Lanning is a closed book. I mean, we have press conferences with him that I think we talked to him today and the conversation lasted for three and a half minutes. And on, on Monday, he actually had a really long press conference for him that lasted 15 minutes. And we were shocked that he talked that much. You talked to Joey McGuire, and I think he talked for 30-plus minutes and had his coordinators up, and they were talking about injuries and scheme and morale and everything they wanted to do. What's your – I mean, I don't I don't know what philosophy I kind of subscribe to, which I, I think both can be successful. Um, if I was a head coach, head coach, I'd think that I'd probably lean towards the landing model and, and not really give too much information. What do you think about McGuire and his 
propensity to actually just share what's on his mind and kind of put his not emotions on his sleeve, but you know, let it all out there. You know, that that's been Joey McGuire's mentality since the day I met the man. Um, and I've known Joey for years, uh, dating back to his time at Cedar Hill high school, uh, you know, in, in, in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And that's just how he is. He, he's big on relationships. He's big on being personal. Uh, he's authentic. And I think that's really like when you look at some of the guys and I'm not saying that coaches aren't authentic, but I think, you know, some of them are a little more reserved. Like Dan Lanning came from, you know, he learned under Kirby Smart. Um, he mm-hmm. learned in some other places. He learned from Nick Saban. And those guys, they hold a little bit more, you know, close to their chest. Whereas uh, when you look at McGuire, he's he's just – he's authentic. He is himself. And, you know, I thought it was interesting if you go back and look at his introductory press conference. And he starts out uh, last year with the Raider power and yelling and, you know, getting all excited and hyped. And, you know, I several people in the media asked me, they go, is, is he putting on a show? I said, no, this is him. Like, he's literally like this all the time. You walk into a room, he commands the room. Um, he's got such a presence. But the thing about him is he just shows that he cares so much about people that are around him. Even if he doesn't know you, you know, if I'm, you know, when I first met the man, you know, I wanted to ask him questions about his football program and, you know, how he's able to build a state championship. He don't want to talk about any of that. He wanted to talk to me about me. Like he wants to know about you, and it's just, it. I think that's why his coaching style works for him. You know, Dan Lanning seems to work for him, right? And, and I think we'll attest to that. Joey's works for him because he's authentic, and and people because of how he cares about people, they want to run through a wall for him. You know, uh, the thing, the there's a quote, and, and I don't remember who who said it, but this reminds me of Joey so much. It's is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that personifies Joey McGuire to a T. Okay, that's perfect. So week one aside, I guess, what do you think reasonable expectations for the Texas Tech team are this year? I believe they were fourth or fifth, correct me if I'm wrong, in the preseason Big 12 media poll. They have some some decent expectations. Obviously, they're supposed to be a bowl team. They were kind of a fringe top 25 team, according to a lot of uh, preseason polls. That's kind of been, you know, cast askew a little bit because of that week one loss. But, you know, it's still an incredibly long season. Um, they can easily bounce back and get back. I mean, once you start conference play, they can be a really good team. What are your expectations for this team? Where do you think a success this year? And what do you think is a failure if they finish out with this record? You know, I I think a failure would be a six-win season, you know, going 500 in the regular season. I still feel like they're a seven and five, eight and four type of team. I mean, yeah, they have, you know, they, they didn't start out well with, with Wyoming, obviously, uh, but a good showing event against Oregon, you know, if they win that game or a really good show. It gives them confidence going on. And, and, you know, in week three, they have a gimme win against Tarleton State, you know, the FCS level. So you look at that kind of game, it's kind of similar to what Oregon did, you know, week one. Um, but then they get into West Virginia, Houston, Baylor, teams that they have had good success with in, in recent years. Uh, their big test will be Kansas State October 14th. But I think, you know, when you look at the schedule, I think it's really – they have a relatively good schedule as far as, you know, matchups at home. TCU hasn't looked as good. Uh, we saw them against Colorado, and that defense looked suspect. Uh, we could say that. And, and, yes, Colorado had playmakers all over, but Texas Tech is one of those – Texas Tech is an offense that will run more plays than 
than anyone else in the country. Their pace of play mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And so they're going to put a lot of pressure on teams. So I'm just looking at the schedule, and I, I don't really see any reason why they can't have those eight wins. I think nine wins is very successful, and, and that might be out of reach at this point when you look at you know how many losses they can have with who's on the schedule. Uh, but if they come to the end of the regular season, they're sitting there in seven, five, eight, and four. I think that's a success for them. I think anything less than six would be a very huge disappointment considering how they looked last year and then going into another year uh, with all coordinators and coaches in, in place, something that uh, Texas Tech hasn't seen in several years after uh, dealing with the Matt Wells era. Okay. I got one, uh, one interesting question for you. There's been a lot of talk about something about tortillas in Texas Tech. What is this whole, uh, what's this tradition? Can you explain this to me a little bit? Uh, yeah. So the tradition, and if you really want to get into the reasons why we do it, that's a little vague. Uh, but at kickoff, <laughs> anytime that there's a kickoff, uh, Texas Tech kicking off, uh, you'll hear the cannons and you're going to see the tortillas just flying. Uh, you know, it, it, that's something that we've been doing for years. I mean, since the nineties and, and eighties, and it's just something that, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's very unique to Texas Tech. Yeah, and the one, thing I, the one thing I will say, uh, being that this is a night game in Lubbock, Texas, and weird things happen. Um, mm-hmm. So expect the unexpected uh, when it comes to kickoff at Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, Texas. So are they throwing tortillas on the field? Are they frisbee tossing them? Are they rolling them up in they, balls and snowballing no, it's, the people? It's 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 a frisbee toss, um, and they typically don't land on the field. It's usually behind the end zone. Uh, you, I mean, you'll see it. You know, if you're on the field up in the press box or watching on TV, you're, you're definitely going to see plenty of tortillas uh, flying on Saturday night. That's wild. That's you know, I it's that's one of the cool things about college football. Every team has their tradition, and some of them are things that you could never predict would happen. So. Um, we'll get you out on this. What do you think? Uh, you said you think that Oregon is probably going to win this. You think they'll cover the spread. What's your score predi- prediction for this game? Uh, I, I'm kind of leaning towards like a 37 to 28. Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's 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 still going to be with I think within a score. Hopefully, um, you know, because Texas Tech's been really good in one score games. It's really honestly going to depend on how often they go for it on fourth down. Um, they missed a lot of opportunities last game with missed field goals. So I'm thinking there, we might see a lot more rolling the dice on fourth down in this game, and that could uh, contribute to some more, some more scoring uh, than some might expect. Okay. All right, Patrick, why don't you uh, tell the, the people where they can find you on social media and read some of your great stuff. You do good stuff on, on College Sportswire. Yeah, I absolutely. CollegeSportsWire.usatoday.com. I'm on Twitter at PatrickConCFB. Um, yeah, and I, I'd love to. I love mixing it up, and you know, it's always been fun, especially dealing with you know Oregon fans and, and learning more about the Ducks. Uh, it's always been fun. I haven't I haven't really had a, a bad experience with Oregon fans, so that's just a testament to the fan base. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you again for coming on and talking a little Texas Tech with us. Appreciate it. All right, I talked about this a little bit with Patrick, but I want to dive deeper into the uh, the point spread for this game. Currently, it is at Oregon minus six and a half. I think when the line opened up on Sunday, it was Oregon minus seven, and it uh, you know, there was actually some movement towards the Texas Tech side, which is surprising. Um, this whole this whole line is a little bit, I don't want to say confusing, but it's a little bit you know conspicuous. Um, it it surprised me that it's at six and a half, and that's only, I mean. 
Oregon won 81 to seven, albeit against an FCS school. Uh, but Texas Tech lost to Wyoming in double overtime. Um, so they, they didn't have a great start to the season where Oregon is kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Um, this is currently the heaviest bet in college football this week. There's been 95% of the action on Oregon to cover the minus six and a half. Um, despite that, the line has not moved, which is, you know, it's that's always interesting because sports books, when there's, there's heavy betting on one side, they usually tend to move the line a little bit to, you know, cover their asses a little bit. You've got everyone betting Oregon minus six and a half. They would move it to maybe minus eight and a half, minus ten and a half, just because, you know, if Oregon does cover by if they win by a touchdown, you know, those sports books they're gonna get hit pretty hard because a lot of everyone, those ninety-five percent of people that bet on that, they're gonna win money, and so the sports books will lose. So if there's so much money on Oregon, why is that line not moving? Um, it seems obvious that, you know, logically the the sports books seem to want action on Oregon. They want these people betting Oregon minus six and a half, which is like, okay, what is what does Vegas know? What do these sports books know? Why do they want so many people betting Oregon? Why are they not moving this line when there's been so much action on Oregon? Um, it's just an interesting question. I, you know, I I don't know what Vegas knows. I don't know what these sports books know. I think that Oregon minus six and a half, if you are a, a gambler, if you are prone to place a wager, which um, if you listen to the show, if you listen to me on the flock pod, I am. I enjoy uh, sports betting from now on as long as it's uh, responsibly done. I have money on Oregon minus six and a half. I think that that is an insane line. I think that and we'll get into our, our score predictions a little bit later. I think Oregon's going to win by much more than that. You know, it's not going to be a, a 40 point blowout. I don't think, but I, I can feel confident saying that I believe Oregon will win by 17 to 20 points. I don't think this is going to be a one score game. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's, it's always fun to kind of look at how the sports books see things. And, um, if you've been following sports long enough, and if you follow the betting markets long enough, Vegas usually knows, these sports books usually, you know, they don't like to lose money, and there's there's some strange way that their odds are always right. I remember last year during the um, Oregon versus Oregon State game, right in the the hour or so leading up to kickoff, the betting line was dropping to where Oregon was becoming less and less of a favorite, and all of us were sitting there at research saying like, "What is, what's going on? Like, what does Vegas know? Why is this line dropping?" And then you know. What happens? Oregon State wins. It comes out afterwards that Kenny Dillingham is leaving. Um, you know, like we always say, Las Vegas knows. So um, do they know something that's going on here with this this game between Oregon and Texas Tech? I have no idea. Um, but the fact that it's still at six and a half, the fact that that line is so low, it's a little bit fishy. Um, I'm just, I'm very curious. But uh, with that being said, I can only bet with my head and encourage you to, you know, be smart and bet with your head. I feel like Oregon minus six and a half. That's a, that's a pretty juicy line. I'm, I'm taking it. Um, if you feel comfortable betting, I think that you take it too. I think that's a, a pretty good bet. I, I'm curious to see um, if we learn more as this weekend comes and as the game progresses, I wonder if, you know, fourth quarter after the game, we're sitting back like, Vegas always knows that's that's something that they always get you with. So we'll see about that one. 
Real quick, I want to touch on the uh, the injury report. There were, you know, after the Portland State game, there were some questions about several players who didn't play. Um, some because of injuries that we knew about, a few because of reasons that we didn't know about. We talked to Dan after the game. I covered this on the last spot. He was not interested in, in going into further detail about the guys who didn't play. We talked to him on Monday night as well. Asked him again, of course, as we're supposed to as journalists. It's our job to ask these questions. He doesn't like when we do, but that's understandable. Um, I don't think there's any poor feelings on either side. We're doing our job. He's doing his job. It's fine. That's just the dynamic that's been built. But we asked again about players like Noah Whittington, Evan Williams. If they'd play, he cut off the question and said, hey, you know, I'm not talking about anyone who did not play on Saturday. So if they didn't play on Saturday, I won't talk to, talk about them. That's fine. Asked and answered. Let's move on. Um, but anyway, there are several players who had some question marks next to their name coming into this week of practice because they didn't play on Saturday for whatever reason. So guys like Noah Whittington, Evan Williams, Justin Jacobs, Chris Hudson, Mace Funa, Casey Kelly, and Nashad Struther, um, all of them were back practicing this week except for Struther. Um, he was the only one who was not actually out on the field with the guys, but we did see him walking around um, the area, you know, into the trainer's office and stuff. He did not have a sling on, and I think he could be close to ramping back up in the next week or two based on what we've seen just from him walking around. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's he's not too far away. Uh, Evan Williams still has a club on his hand. He's been supporting that for a couple of weeks. He was in full pads during the game, was on the sideline. Um, I bet he could have gone in and played if he wanted to, but there was no reason to play him against Portland State. Justin Jacobs is still practicing in trainers, um, trainers, not cleats. So I, you know, I don't know that he will play against Texas Tech. He's another one that, you know, if this was the college football playoff for the national championship game, yeah, he probably could play. But um, there's no, absolutely no reason to play him against Portland State. Uh, I, you know, they may need him against Texas Tech. We'll get into that a little bit more, but um, I don't know. They're just, they're going to be as smart as they possibly can with these guys and know that it's a long season and they don't need to rush him back. So if he's not 100% ready to play, I bet they don't play him. But other than that, you know, Whittington, Williams, Hudson, Funa, Kelly, I wouldn't be surprised to see them play. There's been interesting conversation about Chris Hudson, um, you know, I've talked about him a lot on the podcast over the offseason that he's got a long road to climb if he wants to get up in that depth chart to a place where he can actually contribute and have a big role. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. He's going to be in a, a tough spot this year because, you know, there's always the option that he could decide to redshirt and he could decide to, um, you know, keep this year of eligibility and in, into the transfer portal last uh, going into next year. So. He's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I'm not saying that that's what he's doing. That's just something that I've been talking about with um, some of the other beat reporters at practice. That you know, if if we see him sit out for a couple more games, I would start to believe that that's probably what he's doing because he likely entered uh, you know spring ball and fall camp with the hope and the idea and the confidence that he could win one of those starting jobs or get one of the roles um, in this passing offense. And maybe it didn't shake out that way. Maybe he uh, was unable to get one of those roles. So um, I'll be watching him over the next couple of games, uh, see if he plays or not. And if he doesn't, then, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that he probably will try and redshirt, keep that eligibility and then go elsewhere in the off season. 
there are a few um, a few things I want to see in this game. There were very few questions answered versus Portland State. Obviously, when you have an opponent that does not match up in any way, shape, or form with Oregon, it's you know it's a glorified scrimmage, and we didn't see. I mean, we saw two quarters of starters, and we saw a few things. We we learned a lot about offense. I think. Maybe not a lot, but we learned some things about offense, but we still need to learn so much about this defense. There's still so many questions I have about this defense. Um, I don't think, back to the offense real quick, I don't think Oregon's offense will have any problems scoring against Texas Tech. Um, You know, the Red Raiders, they've got a solid defense. They're decent, but I don't think they have the firepower to slow down Bo Nix from what we've seen last game, what we saw all of last year. You know, the Ducks are capable of scoring against almost anyone in the nation. Right now they have obviously the number one offense in the nation after putting up 81 points and 729 yards of total offense last week. So, um, you know, I think that while that ranking may be a little bit skewed because of the the power of the opponent they were playing, um, I wouldn't be surprised after we get more of a sample size. They still have a top five offense in the nation, and they kind of carry that type of um, prestige and that stature throughout the year. Um, so this this game on Saturday, it's it's probably going to be a high scoring affair. Um, I, I feel confident that the Ducks are going to be put up points, um, you know, in a hurry. And I know the Texas Tech has the ability to put up points. The Ducks defense is just going to have a chance to change that. It's it's really going to be on them to whether whether or not this game is really close or whether it's a blowout in Oregon's favor. Because um, you know, I Oregon's going to score. Whether or not Texas Tech scores is is going to be is yet to be seen. Um, I think in particular the secondary really needs to show a lot in this game. Um, Dan Lanning has been very vocal about the fact that the secondary really didn't get tested against Portland State at all. I mean, Portland State attempted, I think it was 20 passes. They completed eight of them for 52 yards. So, um, you know, there's this new secondary. There's there's a few returning players from last year, but you got new players and, um, you know, Nico Reed and, and Taishim Johnson and Kyrie Jackson. So um, we still there's still so much we need to see about this unit and how they work together. And I think that we'll really get to see that against Texas tech because they are a team that is going to air it out quite a bit. They've got some big receivers. Uh, Durant Bradley is the number one guy to watch. He's a really big, I think he's six, five two twenty five, something like that. He's their number one receiver, a uh, really good playmaker. So he's going to be the, the number one guy to key on. They've got several other players that they can go to in that passing game, but um, the secondary is going to be something I'm really watching because we uh, we've yet to see much, and that's not a fault of theirs at all. But uh, this will be the first really big opportunity for them to show something. I'm also going to be really interested to see the pass rush in this. Those are two things that we've talked about: the secondary and the pass rush all season. Those are two things that arguably needed to improve the most for Oregon to reach their ceiling this year. Uh, like I said, Portland State only passed, I think, 20 times in the game. So there was not much of an opportunity at all for those players to get after the quarterback. Um, that's not going to be the case on Saturday against Texas Tech and Tyler Shuck. They are going to air the ball out. I think they passed, I think they had 47 pass attempts in their game against Wyoming. Um, they're going to air it out. This could be a big day for, for Brandon Dorless and Jordan Birch because they're going to get their opportunities. They're going to get a chance to, you know, get off the edge, get after the quarterback and get some pressures, hopefully get some sacks as well. 
Um, I think it could be a really big day for them. But again, this is a, a week where I'm I'm looking at them because if Oregon is going to be as good as we think they can be this year, it's going to be on that pass rush and on that secondary. And uh, finally, this week, we're going to have a, a really good opportunity to see what both of those units are made out of. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for tuning in and following along. I am going to be down in Lubbock for this game on Saturday. I get in late on Friday night, which is actually my daughter's first birthday. So I'm sorry, Aaliyah, for traveling on your birthday. But we will at least uh, have the morning together on Friday, and we uh, will celebrate when we get home on Sunday. Um, the kickoff of this game is at 4 p.m. local time, uh, 6 p.m. down in Texas. It's going to be hot. It's going to be loud. It will hopefully be a great game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I will plan to get back on and record a podcast with another episode. Um, probably late on Saturday night. That's my goal is to record an episode. Once I get back to my hotel room, see if I can just get a, a quick breakdown, hopefully be a breaking down a win and just get some, a brief recap before I go to bed. Um, if that doesn't happen, um, you know, depending on timing, it's a 6 PM game there. So I don't know if I'll get back to my hotel until, 11 midnight at the absolute earliest so um if i don't have it in me that night i'll get an episode out monday morning and then um you know we'll see what the timing is like with that i also have a a special guest coming on next week to break down all the action um the texas tech game and just kind of the general thoughts on oregon so far this year and look look forward going into conference play the next couple of weeks um that interview is on tuesday so the episode will probably come out wednesday i believe is the plan right now thank you guys for listening and following along if you want to check out more of my work find it all at ducswire.usatoday.com follow me at zachary c neal on twitter we will talk to you guys this weekend until then take it easy